Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Evolve, featuring your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Listening. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. The arts and evolving consciousness are how we are bringing that change to the culture at large. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of the times we are in. Helping you evolve is Robin White Turtle Lisney, who received her Master's in Fine Arts from Mills College in Creative Writing in 2012 and her PhD in Energy Medicine in 2013. She is an author of three books, the most recent being Heart Path, Learning to Love Yourself and Listening to Your Guides. She has published poetry in many literary journals and numerous anthologies and her poem First Step was selected for reading by survivors at the Virginia Tech Memorial Bench dedication in April 2010. In addition to her writing, Robin is also an artist whose work has been shown widely throughout the Midwest and East Coast. Robin White Turtle Lisney is a psychic medium and energy medicine practitioner through East West Bookstore in Mountain View, California, through her office in Santa Cruz, California, and across the country by phone. Robin travels across the country as a speaker and leading workshops. To find out more about Robin, you can visit her website at www.thecenterforthesoul.com. So take a breath, relax, and let yourself evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Listening. Today, uh, I'm Robin White Turtle Lisney, and today we have a special guest 
this is a pre-recorded interview. Uh, we have a, a special guest, Susie Ross, Dr. Susie Ross, and she'll be giving us a really interesting review of personal transformation. Before we start, I wanted to share with you that I have two new books that have come out, Heart Path Handbook, an Energy Medicine Guide for Therapists and Healers, published by Blue Bone Books, and Poems for the Lost Deer. Both these books will be available um, through different bookstores. You can order them online through my website, which is thecenterforthesoul.com, and it will, they'll also be do, doing readings uh, and all kinds of events throughout the San Francisco Bay Area and across the country. So look for my readings coming up. Uh, so right now what I'd like to do is begin the interview with Dr. Susan Ross, and uh, I will be seeing you later. Okay, so today we're with Susan Ross, Dr. Susan Ross, and she is a professor at San Jose State University, and she has also done a tremendous amount of research, uh, and we're going to talk about her research today. She's currently Director of Recreational Therapy at San Jose State University, and her research examines the underlying archetypal patterns of personal transformation and is a subject of a forthcoming book called The Map to Wholeness, Finding Yourself Through Crisis, Change, and Reinvention. As a scholar, Dr. Ross has several published articles in peer-reviewed journals and has spoken at conferences across diverse disciplines. As a consultant, she provides support to the Veterans Administration Palo Alto and to individuals in private practice. As a therapist, she specializes in the treatment of women survivors of sexual trauma, post-traumatic stress, and adventure therapy. In partnership with indigenous elders, Dr. Ross has led studies abroad to ancient Peruvian Inca sites to facilitate both recreation therapy and the recovery of indigenous wisdom through sacred play. Susie lives close to the ocean and loves to be immersed in nature. Welcome, Susie. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Robin. All right. So today we're going to have a great discussion about one of my favorite topics, which is transformation. And, mm-hmm. of course, it's one of your favorite topics, too, it which is, is true. why we're uh, both interested in this intersection here. So can you talk a little bit about your research and how you got started and how did you get so interested in transformation? Mm-hmm. Well, um, for during the years of my master's degree, I was actually very interested in trauma, as you could see from my bio uh, I was just fascinated with helping people who had been through trauma and understanding that recovery process, especially using adventure. And um, that was a love for mine for quite some time. And then, and then my interest turned to um, what I feel is the other side of the coin is, is transformation. And uh, transformation has just been a love of mine for probably – about, I don't know, 25 years, but I would say that, honestly, uh, I had a transformative experience when I was about 22 years old, and uh, I was I was leading backpacking trips in the Colorado Rocky Mountains, and uh, I'd been living out in nature, literally underneath a tarp for probably about three months, mm. and I was living uh, somewhere between nine and 12,000 feet for for three months. And 
and I was on my last week of the trip, and um, and I was hiked, got up in early in the morning, and we were hiking along this ridge at about 13,000 feet with panoramic views, and uh, I left my body for about 30 minutes, and I remember going into everything that you can see and not see in the universe, and I remember being in a leaf, and and I remember being in the wind. I remember being in the bark. I remember being everything. Mm. I remember the vastness of the universe. I remember how everything is is only inches away from each other. Um, and it was obviously a very life-changing experience because it, it was, um, you know, it lasted for a long time. And, um, and of course, a lot happened during that, that period. But it left me forever changed and probably much every day since then. I I have awareness of that day. And um and unbeknownst to me, I when I got to the point of writing a doctoral dissertation, doing extensive research, I found myself wanting to understand transformation and how do people integrate a life-changing experience into daily life? Mm. Uh because, you know, you have an experience like that or conversely, a uh, transformation through trauma, really horrible life-changing experience and yet it changes you it transforms you forever mm-hmm. and um, my question really became well, how do you integrate it mm-hmm. uh, because all the research is all about how transformation happens and different kinds of transformative experiences and and the immediate after effects of the afterglow or the after effects of it you know what happens to the person mentally physically emotionally etc but it's the all the research is kind of localized around the event itself and um the kinds of things that happen but uh from an integration perspective um once you know like uh uh Jack Cornfield talks about you know after the ecstasy the laundry what happens <laughs> you know after yeah. after you've had a really life-changing experience you know eventually there you have to pay your bills you have to do your dishes you you need to go back to work and mm-hmm. and and life goes on and and you you have things to do and and yet you're changed inside you mm-hmm. you're definitely a different person but everything else has apparently remained the same and and so you know I when I looked at that kind of thing I just wondered well do people ever really actually transform mm-hmm. you know um you know it, when you have uh the kind of life that uh, you know westerners have and many other people in the world have where there's so many demands even if you're fortunate when you have a life-changing event or not fortunate is it do you really transform if you if you don't integrate it into daily life and well integration is such a key to transformation i think you you can have these great experiences but there's a way that it has to how does that then change the rest of your life in the process? And that's what you've been studying? Is that what I'm understanding? Exactly, yes. Cool. Uh-huh. So when I actually started the research, I was not convinced. I was really questioned, is it even possible for us, for many people to transform given our context? Uh, of, can we integrate? And, uh, and so I spent uh, several years studying the integration of transformation is really what I was studying Mm. and trying to understand uh, very similarly to Elizabeth Mm Kubler-Ross. Interestingly, we both have the same last name, but 
understanding her research can really help describe mine in that, of course, she was able to understand and elucidate the five underlying phases of grief and loss, mm -hmm. and that she was able to understand that, or her pr proposition is then that all people go through those five stages when they have a major loss or a loss, and that, of course, they go through it in their own timing and in their own unique ways, That, but yet those five phases are very predictable for all of us. Mm -hmm. And um, what my research revealed is that integration is possible. Yes. The transformation is possible. Mm -hmm. And and what what was revealed is that there was an underlying archetypal process to the integration of transformation that 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 similarly to Elizabeth Kubler Ross's work is an underlying pattern meaning that it's predictable that we all it's, it's organic that it's something that happens both in the biosystems it happens in all systems of all layers from microscopic to the macroscopic that when a system is transforming, it goes through this organic process mm -hmm. uh, that then is very predictable the same way we can predict how, you know, what happens when you have a seed in the ground and then the roots come and then it comes through the soil and then, you know, we can we can predict its various phases because it's a natural process and, mm -hmm. and it's not so mysterious. We can say, oh, okay, this is going to happen next. Okay, and then it happens. And, and, you know, human beings, what I understand from a transformation perspective is no different. And what, so when I, when that data, when that was revealed, then it was quite, uh, took my breath away to see it for the first time. Um, and when I saw it, I knew that I would, when I finished my research, I would have to write a book and that, and that the book would need to be written for general audience to make it available so that people could use this information in their daily lives. So you have um, you're writing the book right now, is that right? Yeah, I actually finished the book last year, uh -huh. and um, now I'm in the editing phases. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then uh, you have a website. And mm -hmm. what is your website? The website is uh, www.suzyross.com, and so that's S-U-Z-Y-R-O-S-S. -S. Uh -huh. And uh, that's uh, so suzyross.com, and there. Uh, there's uh, showcases the book in in the making, the forthcoming book, uh, the map to wholeness, and on the website you can take a quiz actually mm. and learn all about where are you in the phase of transformation, in the process of transformation, because we're similarly to how change is mm -hmm. always existing wherever change is occurring is same with transformation. We're mm -hmm. all we're transforming. And just a matter of well, what phase of transformation are you in? Mm -hmm. And knowing that can, of course, help immensely. So the mm -hmm. website allows you to give a learn about once you take the quiz, and you can read about the uh, phase. There's a slideshow video for each phase. Um, mm -hmm. There's artwork and poetry for each phase. That's so you can really play around uh, with the different phases, share them with your friends and family to see where they are at, and then that can allow everyone to kind of glimpse into each other's world, mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. Cool. Uh -huh. Yeah. So now, how 
how is your work different than, say, Joseph Campbell, who studied all kinds of stuff about stories in the universe and the hero's journey, which is, you know, you go through these different phases in kind of a circular way. Um, can you explain a little about what he offered and then how your work differs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, when, when we looked at the literature uh, about transformation, you know, Joseph Campbell certainly uh, was a guiding light to understand transformation, certainly. Um, a lot of people draw a rendition of the hero's journey in a circle, and um, that makes sense to me. The the 13 phases of transformation that came out of my research that actually did take a specific shape and the specific shape is actually a figure eight. And so what we found is is that the process of transformation is in the shape of a figure eight. And it's not just because it looks pretty or it it uh you know it's logical or anything like that. It the actual image of the eight and the and the movement of the eight is a precise reflection of the experience. So if you're moving in a figure eight movement, that is reflects your experience. So for instance, the process of figure eight, of the transformation starts in the center of the eight and it moves upward into the upward part of the figure eight. And the upward journey is the transformative journey. And the and then the downward part of the figure eight, that's the integrative journey. And so the transformative journey upward is towards the top of the figure eight. And so the movement is upward and the movement is expanding and the movement is uh, towards the light. And the movement is very visible because it's upward towards the sky where people can see you and that sort of thing. So you're often very visible. And that's like um, that's the stage when someone is, uh, launching a book, or they have a, ba- a new baby, or there's the new, uh, new something new mm-hmm. in their life, or they're getting married. Is that the kind mm-hmm. of thing that you yes. would say is mm-hmm. the, the part of their story of their life? Yeah, uh, the upward journey is the very top of the figure eight is the life changing event. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get married, or if you're going to start a new job, or if you went backpacking like I did and had the big experience, or mm-hmm. let's say you were in a horrible car accident and the life changing experience was that, or let's say you decided to move to another country or go on a big huge journey to to your homeland. Uh, you know, there's various different, lots of different ways that people transform. I mean, you could run a marathon for the first time in your life, and, and it can be life-changing. So the top of the figure eight is when you have the life-changing event, regardless of whether it's uh, through trauma or through something more positive. The life-changing event is at the top of the figure eight. Mm-hmm. And one way you can look at it is the top circle of the figure eight is like, the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of the hero's journey uh, for for certain, and uh, so. But I we definitely saw the that the top of the figure eight is that life changing event. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and at the top of the figure eight too, uh, when you have the life changing event, there's an expansion and or a shattering. So if you have a life-changing event like I did, the mountaintop experience, the spiritual experience, it was obviously a massive expansion. 
Uh, and that that's a really important part of this is that at the, the apex of the eight is when you receive light. It's when you receive actually your new self because transformation is about death and rebirth, of course, and it's about receiving a new you and then becoming a new you. So, so let me understand this because what you're saying is that a, a, a new expanded place in terms of transformation also can happen when you're shattered, like when you lose somebody that you love, that you depended on in extraordinary ways or that you felt was part of your psyche. When you have those losses, that also brings in the light because it's the shattering that uh, of the psyche that then allows for a greater expansion. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So yeah. That, that it doesn't really matter the flavor. Like we we tend to judge those kinds of things as being, uh, oh, that was really hard or that was, you know, that was a life-shattering event and it was, it was you know, bad. But you're saying the top of the apex can be both either one or the other. Yes, it's precisely, yes. In, in my book, I showcase um, three individuals who had really massive transformative experiences. And I take um, the reader through uh, their transformation from the very beginning, with first phase, which is called the seed phase, and then I take the, the the reader through all 13 phases of transformation through their lives, and mm-hmm. and 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 that way I'm showing you each phase of transformation through their lives, and through it's their quite stories. powerful. And uh-huh. two of the three had traumatic um, transformation through trauma mm-hmm. and or crisis, and in this case they were tra- trauma. And and then uh, in the third person actually had a transcendental experience Mm -hmm. and so one positive and one that was you know not was not fun at all but the the thing is is that that the apex exactly what you're saying when the trauma happens you know the psyche shatters but in but what happens when it shatters and or expands is that you literally are in you occupy a much larger space you have more you are you don't have a barrier in, anymore between you and and something bigger than you mm-hmm. and 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 that fact that you are open in a way that you're a human being walking around is not normally open mm-hmm. is 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 the alchemy part of the most important parts of the alchemy of transformation is because then there's an exchange that happens mm-hmm. during that expansion or 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 shattering mm-hmm. where in my view is the inception point another point way that you could say it is is that it's really actually conception mm-hmm. and it's when you conceive your new self mm-hmm. similar to a baby being conceived in a womb it's the when the spark of life comes together and something literally new is conceived on here mm-hmm. and 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 that new conception that new life between the intermingling of that which is you and that which is beyond you creates co-creates a new life Mm. and and you know some people could say that there is even a making of love between you and something much larger now to say that in the midst of traumas could be blasphemy you know could be horrifying for some people to to think about that but the 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 one thing to consider though is this idea of an exchange that creates new life and then Mm. that 
And then the rest of the transformative journey is actually the gestation oh. and birth uh-huh. of the new self. Well, I want to come back and talk more about the, the other parts because it seems like if the conception is the, the new beginning, then what happens when the baby comes or what happens, you know, like mm-hmm. that? there's other exciting parts to this. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back. We're talking to Dr. Susan Ross, who's a professor at San Jose State University in physical um, recreation, therapy. recreation therapy. I wanted to say physical medicine, recreation therapy. And we'll be right back. This month on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we have a fifth Sunday, which means a Firefly Willows Extra. On Sunday, March 30th, it's something even extra special. It's our two-year anniversary show. We'll be offering up some select content from our various shows over the past two years. Plus, we'll have an opportunity for you to call in for readings. And as proud beaming co-hosts, we'd love to receive your comments about our exuberant two-year-old. Tune in, join the party, and experience why we've had almost 80,000 downloads of our shows. See you on Sunday. And I am the host of the show Evolve, and I wanted to tell, uh, share with you uh, some new books that I have that have come out, Heart Path Handbook, an Energy Medicine Guide for Therapists and Healers, and uh, I did a show a few months ago on it. Uh, you can get more information if you want to listen to a, a podcast about it. And then also Poems for the Lost Deer, which uh, is a poetry book that was based on an incident that occurred in Point Reyes Peninsula in 2007 and 2008. Uh, And it has to do with the National Park Service and their policies on invasive and endangered species. So I look forward to sharing it more with you. I'm going to be doing talks around the Bay Area. And I look forward uh, to uh, meeting you or uh, uh, being introduced to you when I see you at those events. It'll be really exciting. So we're going to continue with our interview with Susan Ross, and uh, I will talk to you later. So we're back, and this is uh, Evolve, and we're here with Dr. Susie Ross, uh, who's currently Director of Recreational Therapy at San Jose State State University. She's uh, done a, a lot of research examining the underlying archetypal patterns of personal transformation 
and it's a subject of her forthcoming book, The Map to Wholeness, Finding Yourself Through Crisis, Change, and Reinvention. So welcome back, Susie, and let's, um, we were in the middle of talking about the apex, which is actually the conception moment of transformation. So what's the next phase then? I mean, once the, the new life or that shattering moment or that transformative, expansive moment happens, then what? Mm-hmm. Well, you're at the apex, and then the only way is down. <laughs> and so that's really great when you want to get back to earth, but that's not so great when, when you keep going down. It's not necessarily the, the the fun part of transformation, but everyone who's been through transformation knows that Transformation is not necessarily all easy and beautiful. In fact, it could be, you know, downright uh, painful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after the apex, when you do start coming back down, uh, there is a point in which you come come home. And coming home meaning things start to settle down and your life starts to have a little bit more of a normal cadence because for a while after the life-changing event, everything gets put on suspense. It could be suspended. There's a way in which you're the place in between. There's a way in which you're in, you might be in shock or in denial. So there's several phases that happen as you happen as you descend, where you kind of are putting life on autopilot and. Because you're needing to get you know get over the initial shock and and or glory of of the life changing event, but as the phases move uh, and you get you're landing more and more, there comes a point where you really have to face your life, the realities of your life in a way that you haven't for probably months, mm-hmm. a good number of months, if not longer. Well, this happens mm-hmm. after, say, a, a someone has a, um, a loss due to, say, a sudden death, mm-hmm. and you're, I'm just using an example, and you have to find a way to integrate that loss into your life, mm-hmm. and that takes time. It take, yeah. You can't do it overnight. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and interestingly, uh, even if you have a really positive experience, let's say you go, like I said earlier, to decide to visit your roots and go abroad to the your country of origin that it's usually transformative for most people to do that and even though it 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 can often be a really positive experience and awe-inspiring and integrative in itself and just very powerful even beautiful experiences of transformation are have an element of trauma Mm-hmm. There is an element of crisis because upon return, there is always the looming experience of who am I now? Right. And who am I now that I've either had this powerful experience or this loss or this bad, this really horrible experience? And not only who am I now, but I feel different on the inside mm-hmm. and my life is not different. Mm-hmm. And and reconciling those those. Uh, differences, those extremes inside, is the subject of several uh, phases. Of course, they're unique, distinct Mm -hmm. phases, but really uh, you don't 
get into the true reconciling of those internal struggle until the phase called dismemberment. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine dismemberment is towards the bottom of the figure eight. Mm -hmm. And dismemberment, you can tell by the language, is when, when things fall apart. And it doesn't mean have to mean your whole life falls apart, but it does mean that there's something that uh, you've been holding on to or lots of things you've been holding on to in the old ways you've been doing things or thinking that that have to go in order for you to complete your transformation. And so mm-hmm. that's when whenever it whatever it is that needs to die or that's when it happens is during dismemberment. Mm-hmm. And during dismemberment is also when you the release of that struggle of the inner and outer being different and want, wanting a dream and being able to visualize a dream and your life is not that at all mm-hmm. and so i you know i have all the skills inside i have the knowledge inside or i have the love inside but my outside isn't showing me that i don't have the partner i want i don't have the job i want or i don't have the recognition i want or mm-hmm. i don't have the fulfillment i want but inside i i i know i have what it takes and so there's this huge this or it, not necessarily huge but it can feel that way this disconnect between the inner and the outer world mm-hmm. and it's not until the dismemberment phase that is really the dismantling that's truly the dismantling yeah uh you know in the outer world in the concrete world what does it look like losing your job or you know uh your house getting, burns down or getting a divorce getting a divorce or, yeah. or something like that some sort of crisis that happens large or medium or small that uh, allows this some breaking down of something mm-hmm. or lots of things that on, on both an external and an internal level. So that's the descending part of the of the upper part mm-hmm. of of the figure eight. So then, what happens when it goes down even further? I mean, what? How? What's I mean, lower than figure eight? Yeah. What's, lo- what's lower than dismemberment? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Interestingly, uh, you know. There, there really isn't anything lower than dismemberment. The, the phase after dismemberment is called surrender and healing. And, of course, the surrender is the threshold between the two. Mm-hmm. And so there comes a moment that, that a surrender happens, and it's not something you plan on. It's something that occurs organically, uh, and a situation arises right when you're ready. And... Uh, and you surrender. You might surrender to to other people and allow them to hold you in a certain way or help you in a certain way. There's there's a surrender uh, internally that you might do that you've never done before. But there's, of course, surrender ultimately is an internal experience. But it might also involve you literally surrendering, maybe and accepting help on a literal level as well, mm-hmm. uh, and or both. So so that would become like say in the case of somebody that got divorced that would come in the phase of trying to reconcile the divorce and understand what happened and be, and then surrender to the reality of it. Well, it it's very specific actually. The surrender is an actual moment. There are some phases that are only last a few moments. Mhm. Um like the life-changing event. It's mm-hmm. oftentimes only a couple moments. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of life-changing events don't last very long, mm-hmm. 15 minutes or whatever. Uh, and there are a couple other phases that are literally minutes. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. long. And uh, the surrender experience is, is, is not a phase in itself. It's surrender and healing. But the surrender aspect of that is, is usually not a very long experience. But it is, very, it is one event. Mm-hmm. And it is, re- it is specifically functions where the event is a, re- is a perfect replication of a situation of which you normally react through specific patterns to this type of situation and and you have a pattern down of how you manage control and stay safe in this type of situation that is extremely stressful and the stress the extremely stressful type of situation happens to you and what is powerful is for whatever reason in this particular situation it is impossible for you to use the pattern that you've always used. And that forces the surrender. Mm. And then the surrender happens because you literally have no choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you have to surrender, and then you do surrender, and then you experience that you actually lived. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, the body believes that you're going to die. This month on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we have a fifth Sunday, which means a Firefly Willows Extra. On Sunday, March 30th, it's something even extra special. It's our two-year anniversary show. We'll be offering up some select content from our various shows over the past two years. Plus, we'll have an opportunity for you to call in for readings. And as proud beaming co-hosts, we'd love to receive your comments about our exuberant two-year-old. Tune in. Join the party and experience why we've had almost 80,000 downloads of our shows. See you on Sunday. show Evolve, and I'm Dr. Robin White Turtle Lisney, and we're with Dr. Susie Ross, and we're uh, talking about transformation. Um, Dr. Ross is 
the Director of Recreation Therapy at San Jose State University, and her research examines the underlying archetypal patterns of personal transformation and is a subject of her forthcoming book, The Map to Wholeness, Finding Yourself Through Crisis, Change, and Reinvention. So when we left off, Susie, we were talking about the healing phase, and uh, let me let's go into that a little bit because you said there are lots of little surrenders and then there's a moment, a big surrender. Um, and then there's a healing phase after that or is the healing phase part of the dismemberment? Well, there, there are 13 phases and uh, dismemberment is towards the bottom of the figure eight. And after that dismemberment phase is the phase called surrender and healing. Mm-hmm. The surrender, like I mentioned before, is the sh- is the sh- is a very pivotal time that takes you out of the the deep depths of darkness. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before about the upper half of the figure eight is, mm-hmm. is the upward journey is very visible and those types of things. It's also, I didn't mention the upward journey is is very it's, it tends to develop the masculine aspects of self and it also can be viewed as being more of a masculine journey in and of itself. And the the hero's journey, yes. so to speak, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, going outward and conquering and finding the self and coming back with the knowledge and mm-hmm. like the hero type of thing. It's very visible and sexy and those kinds of things. But when you go into the lower half of the figure eight, there's pretty much nothing sexy about it. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> right. And for those people who have been through it, they they that's why Robin's probably laughing. Yeah. We we know that it's definitely. You know, it's a very private part of the journey, and that's why it's downward. It's going into the earth. It's going into the darkness. It's going into the womb. It's going into the cave. And it's it's the Inanna journey, isn't yeah. that right? That yeah. The Inanna journey being where she goes down underground for half the year and comes out the other half of the year. So um, uh, she's captured by, um, well, there's a couple different versions of it. Um, but she she's brought into the underworld where she has to dismember and she has to fall apart and get down to her bones basically, and then she re then she gets reconfigured in a certain certain way. So um, the healing phase of of Inanna's journey is then turning at the bottom of the figure eight and coming back up. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep, that was beautifully stated. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, you got it. So as you go, as you come into healing, then the pro- different processes could come into play. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yes, and and the healing is is really, I I like to point out that healing happens no matter what. Mm-hmm. Just like the rest of all these phases, it's an organic process. And so it's not like you you have to say, oh, I'm in the healing phase, so now I need to go find someone to help me to heal. Yeah, You don't have to worry about it. Now, you, if you come. want to, yeah. you can go do that. But the thing is, is that, you know, not everybody works with healers. Not everyone is comfortable with those kinds of things. And then they don't have to worry about that because healing will happen. What does that mean? Well, a person will come into your life who you haven't seen for 20 years and the 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 coming together and seeing one another and sharing stories might be extremely healing mm-hmm. and you have lunch with this person and and then you know a couple weeks later uh a tree falls on part of your house and it seems like it's horrible 
but then the insurance gives you all sorts of money and you get a chance to create a room on your house that you always wanted to do and mm-hmm. how healing that is. And now you have a room dedicated for X, Y, Z that you always wanted. And so there's a way in which healing happens and it doesn't have to look like you getting therapy. Right. You know, and right. so... Um, and it's a natural process. I mean, because part of what I hear you saying is the healing part is natural, just like all the rest of it is is a natural process. Exactly. Um, the, it's meant. You're, it's something you're meant to to go through. And I know in my own life, the experience of surrender usually happens when you finally accept the reality of what happened, in order that it was a necessary part of your life, even mm-hmm. if it's one you just really detest, like a death of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is a necessary phase when you can accept that this is what's meant to be, then you can, you can move on in a new way that mm-hmm. is, is um, powerful for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so the healing, so healing does happen. And then th- is that the kind of the a side of the figure eight that comes up into the, then the new phases of life and new things that are occurring or? Well, uh, the, the, Surrender healing is is towards the bottom. You're still not. You're still feeling pretty, not so hot. You know mm-hmm. when you're in that phase. But the uh, the real turning point actually is the birth phase. It's it's actually the turning point isn't death. Interestingly, the turning point is birth. Mm-hmm. And so the apex at the top is the tr- life changing event, and the and the absolute bottom isn't the worst experience. It's when you are born. And, and it's when the new life, the new you that was conceived at the top, the intermingling between you and something bigger than you, and it's gone through this gestative journey downward and planted into the earth, into you, and then at the birthing point is when the new you actually comes out. The new you actually arrives in the world for the first time, a transformed you. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that when the new you arrives, there's a literally three moments, three distinct moments that happen that uh, where you arrive and you're so new, you know, just think about it. You're, you're, you're a newborn. You're, you can, can't even walk. You can't talk and all those things. And so it doesn't mean you can't do that on a literal level, but the new you is, is, you know, is very very new mm-hmm. so new that that most people don't recognize it when it happens mm-hmm. and because the moments the birth moments are very subtle and usually what happens is when I, I interview people and I work with people and then I can help I can help distinguish the birth moments but it takes me a, a while of asking questions before I can help identify the birthing moments mm-hmm. but the moments are similar to when a, a, a woman gives birth to a baby there's the the crowning of the head where you can see the head coming out of the mother's uh, body. Then when the head comes out of the body, and then when the when the body comes out, when the baby comes out, those three major aspects of moments when when a baby is born, that is very similar to what happens when we birth ourselves. Mm-hmm. After the birth phase is uh, abundance and manifestation where. You know, a lot of abundance happens and, and good tidings and expect, unexpected wonderful things and people and money and opportunities and and uh, on all levels usually. Mm-hmm. And usually you have to pinch yourself a lot during this phase. 
And then the, the second to last phase is called power. And that's when uh, things start to settle down because the abundance phase is pretty uh, busy mm-hmm. and full of life and kind of hectic. And then uh, the, the power phase, things calm down. Uh, you really have fully entered your shoes. So the new self that was born, you're, you fully enter your, your shoes. You fill your own shoes. You're mm-hmm. very solid and, and you are known for who you are. Mm-hmm. People re- know you for your gifts. You are recognized for your gifts. And you are loved and honored for your gifts in mm-hmm. a way that uh, that is not because you're boasting or running around or anything. It's because you you have fully arrived. Mm-hmm. And then the, the very last phase, the 13th phase of transformation is integration. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get to the place of homeostasis. It's the place of balance and harmony. It's mm-hmm. the place where you have reconciled many, many opposites within yourself and integrated them. Mm-hmm. It's where you have also integrated shadow and light. You've uh, a lot of polarities, masculine and feminine. And, um, and so there's an integration, not only of the new self fully in- integrated, but so much more has integrated your, the upper and the lower the has also done more integrating and it is the place of homeostasis where it's the place actually when people want to transform it's it's this state i believe that we actually want mm-hmm. and it so- it sounds like that that's the stage when people um really begin to to uh feel that that the journey that they went through that was so difficult or so transformative is actually manifesting into the new and into into the new phases in a in an abundant way that was needed or, or was desired in the beginning and it's kind of like you ask for something and then boom it happens and it's like well I I didn't plan on that but then as you go along it does make a difference and make you into that new person. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot in the healing work that I do with people and outline, you know, different processes, um, you know, in handbook to heart path where in that handbook, you know, it, it talks about people's transformative journey. They get cancer, they have a physical problem or they have an emotional issue that they're working on. And that becomes the catalyst for them to, to move into their new self and um so that's really exciting so you mm-hmm. these uh, in the map to wholeness you've outlined these 13 phases and people can go to your website and what is your website again it's uh, Susie Ross susieross.com s u z y r o s s.com uh-huh and that has the the map to wholeness um there on on the website so people can understand it and see it and you can take a little test right mm-hmm. a little quiz take quiz takes probably about 20 minutes to take the quiz, and uh-huh. if you need to take a break or whatever, you can come back to it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then it helps you to see where you are in the transformative process. Exactly. That's yes. so exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad we've had a chance to talk about this. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with people about Map to Wholeness or about your work and in uh, teaching this information? Mm-hmm. I imagine you teach a lot of this at, um, at San Jose State, right? Yeah, I think I I teach it both there and uh, other places as well, lots of other venues. The thing is I would probably say is is what do people 
say they get the most out of this knowing these 13 phases, I would say the most common response that I get is that now after learning the 13 phases and where they're at, they now have language to be able to explain what is happening for them or what happened to them in the past. And and having language to explain to others what what is happening or what did happen then creates opening in relationship, creates normalization, and can help people to feel like they're okay, that they're not going crazy or that they're not stupid or that they, you know, it's okay if they feel certain ways. And now Mm -hmm. the way that a person might be feeling or thinking or acting can be normalized and understood as very, very, having a very natural process instead of a pathological one. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of different things along the journey, experiences along the journey that can feel pathological when in fact it's really healthy. Mm-hmm. And so that is probably the biggest outcome that I'm seeing is, is for people to be able to have the enormous relief that what is happening to them is actually not only normal and healthy, it's actually beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and then they can have language to talk about it so that uh, they're not you're not alone. And that's very important. Well, I think we tend to pathologize anything that's not happy, happy, happy in our culture. Mm-hmm. And it isn't the truth. I mean, people go through all kinds of transformations. And, um, you know, being happy all the time is not, necessarily uh, a life goal. I mean, happiness, certainly, you can say you're seeking happiness, but actually what we're seeking is alignment with our true nature. And the more we get in alignment with our true nature, that takes sometimes transformation to break up the thoughts we have about who we are and Mm -hmm. kind of shatter some of those old beliefs about ourselves so that we can really step into the beauty and the fullness and the wholeness of who we are. So thank you so much, uh, Susie Ross, and I'm so glad to be here with you today talking about transformation. We've been spending time with Dr. Susan Ross, who is the Director of Rec Therapy at San Jose State University, and she has a new book called The Map to Wholeness, Finding Yourself Through Crisis, Change, and Reinvention. And uh, this is a very exciting moment. Sometime I'd love to have you back and we could talk more about indigenous cultures and how they understand how to bring in um, the map to wholeness in their own ways through their ceremonies and rituals. Because I think that's a real key piece um, to understanding how we can now, they they really support a consciousness that's always acknowledged those transformations Mm -hmm. through rituals and through understanding themselves in different phases of life and they have they have ceremonies and ways to do that so Mm -hmm. sometime we'll have to come back and talk about that yes (laughs) i would love that a lot of anthropology and indigenous wisdom was informed my research no doubt because Uh, the you know who who else knows better about transformation and how to facilitate it than than indigenous people the, the the wise ones they knew how to prepare to create the wise ones of their their community so that someone could lead. Yeah. And uh, so... And not lead out of politics, but mm-hmm. lead out of wisdom and mm-hmm. thought-provoking stuff. So, okay, well, thank you so much, and great to have you here on the show. And this is Evolve, and uh, I'm Robin White Turtle Listening, and we are uh, 
ending our show today. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Convergence with John Carousella, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Evolve was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E.